Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus. And I am anxious today to get into God's Word, more importantly, to get God's Word in me. Hallelujah. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Also, instructions from the Lord concerning our victory, our life here, and our eternal life in heaven. Uh, how to get there and how to live in victory here. Hallelujah. It's all in the Word of God. It's that lamp unto our feet. It's that light unto our pathway. Amen. It is bread for our soul, the living water. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're speaking, con- continuing our subject, the battle for the mind. This battle is raging today like never before. Satan knows that he has but a short time. During the tribulation, there's actually a scripture that said, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan hath come Come down unto you. No, because he knows he has but a short time. So as time is running out, and we're living in the last of the last days, and I believe I can say that uh, and, and prove that biblically, prophetically, that we are in the end times. And because of that, there is a great battle for the minds and and the hearts and the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Let me make some statements before we read from uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Some real important instructions about how to stay focused when there are so many influences in this fallen world that are vying for our attention. Listen to what, it, what I believe that we need to recognize going into this study. Number one, you and I as Christians are in the process of becoming what we are thinking about. By the way, even if you're not a Christian, this same truth applies to you. We are becoming what we are beholding all of the time. Uh, Number two, if you think about something long enough, you will become strongly influenced by it. And number three, both God and the devil seeks to influence and direct our thoughts. And number four, the will. And that's what is at issue here is the will. God will not force our will, but he will solicit us to offer our body a living sacrifice. Even though he He deserves it, he will not demand it by forcing our will. We have to do this willingly. Amen. Even when we give in an offering, uh, it becomes an issue that it's of no value to God unless it is of a free will on our part. The Bible said, whatever you give, give it, give it hilariously. Be happy to give because God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give it grudgingly or resentfully, but give joyfully. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And listen, so here's, here's the issue today. The will is the command center of man, the deciding and decisive power in man. So he who controls the will controls the life. 
And he who controls the mind controls not only what we are, but what we shall be. Because God himself will not force the will, and Satan cannot force the will. But he will tempt us. He will solicit our will to to sin against God, to not come to Christ if you're not a Christian, and if you are a Christian, not to completely, absolutely, radically commit to follow Jesus Christ. So the battle for the soul is really the battle for the mind, and the contest is fought for the attention, the memory, the very nerve cells, the foul system of the subconscious, and ultimately, ultimately, for the will. And that's why the Bible said, if we're going to enter this race and not look back and not go back and not get get discouraged and therefore defeated and deceived, we are to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And that word look unto Jesus doesn't mean to glance at him when we're in trouble or or glance at him from time to time. It means to look away. One translation puts it this way from the actual Greek. Look away from all that will distract and set your gaze on Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And that brings us to to these things that we are to be focused on. It's all about focusing because what we were we are beholding, we are surely becoming. So Philippians four and verse eight, Paul kind of sums it up and listen to what he's saying. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. I'm going to start with the first that he has listed here. Whatsoever things are are true. Now, one thing we find about the enemy of our soul is that he seeks to control our minds through deception and through out-and-out lies. John 8 and verse 44 said he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is, listen to this, no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. You see, Satan brought a subtle lie to Eve. He appeared to her, appealed to her mind, and she was deceived into making a decision to disobey and disbelieve God. He has not changed his tactics today. Listen to Second Corinthians 11 and verse 2. It said, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. See, the target is the mind. This is the area that Satan still appeals to. Listen, the Holy Spirit seeks to influence your mind and mine through truth and bring liberty and stability to our life. 
In John 17, in verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, the word of God is true. And as we meditate on the word of God, our minds are permeated with truth. And the scripture said in John 8, 30 and 31, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. This is both by revelation and realization. You'll know it uh, experientially. You will apply it to your life. Listen, but it begins when the mind is renewed to the truth of God through the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. He comes to reveal the truth and thereby to put the devil in the place of terrible disadvantage, to push him back into the darkness and not let him come and have influence in our life. Listen to this carefully. If you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. Hallelujah. And the truth will make you free. You see, truth, dear friend, will disarm deception. And truth will defeat worry. (laughs) Truth will defy fear. Truth will discern error. And truth will detect the devil even when he comes as an angel of light. And it will destroy his base of power and operation. It will, it will overcome the wiles, the strategy of deceit hidden in what seems to be true many times there is a lie but god's word will reveal it praise god someone said satan's element that he works in is darkness put light before him and he will flee from you glory be to god whatsoever things are true hallelujah think on these Things And that simply means to me initially to meditate on the word of God because we read from John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them through thy word, thy, through thy truth, thy word is truth. Hallelujah. Second is honest. Whatsoever things are honest. In the classical Greek, it means venerable. One time, in, I remember in junior high school, they spelled my name wrong uh, on a list uh, of starting a new class. I think it was in, in science or biology. <laughs> and they spelled it venerable, and I hated to tell them it was venerable. Because venerable is a very, very good word. Because the word venerable here, what honest means in classical Greek, is worthy of reverence, inviting reverence. And as our minds are filled with thoughts of God, His greatness, His grace, there will be a holy awe and appreciation for His holy character and our great privilege of a relationship with Him. The mind will be defended against thoughts of rebellion and irreverent, careless attitudes. In a very real sense of the word, we will become sober-minded because we venerate God. We, you see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and to define the fear of the Lord, it is not for the Christian in particular the dread of God. It, it it literally means deep reverence with awe and affection. 
So as we deeply venerate him and reverence him, we also love him and embrace him. Hallelujah. So whatsoever things are honest that causes us to develop that high holy view of God. Amen. We're to think on those things. Praise God. Remember, remember in the book of Isaiah, it said, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord when in the temple, I saw the glory. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. See this lofty view of God. This lofty view of God caused the man of God, the prophet of God, to say, Woe is me in that kind of presence, for I am undone. He saw himself as nowhere near worthy to be approach this presence or be privileged to view this glory that filled the temple. And he said, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And I saw the, the seraphim, uh, with, and, and this lofty view of God, this, this venerable God, worthy of such reverence and awe. Oh, friend of mine, how we need today in this casual approach to worship and our carnal many times approach to the word of God looking for what's in it for me instead of how can I better serve him and please him oh friend how we need this lofty view of God I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And I saw the seraphim, he said, the angels that minister in the presence of God. And they had three sets of wings. Why three sets? He said, with twain they flew. They moved about because of one set. What were the other two for? Ministering in the presence of a God this holy, this venerable, this worthy of reverence. With two they covered their face. With two they covered their feet. Even supernatural angelic beings had to cover themselves in such a holy presence. And that triggered the woe is me. <laughs> in the prophet God handpicked to be a major prophet in his behalf. And yet in the presence of God, he said, I feel so un." Worthy, Oh, but God, one of the angels took a coal from the altar and he pressed it to his lips. And instead of burning him, it had a sanctifying effect on him. Amen. <laughs> because he went out of that holy presence, that lofty view of God, that venerated, reverent view of God, and he declared God's truth. And I believe he did it like Paul talked about with fear and trembling, that kind of godly fear that means deep reverence with awe and affection. So honest here is more than just just being truthful and, and, and having integrity. It means venerable in the Greek. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then just in the Greek, it means innocent, holy, and righteous. 
Once again, as we direct our thoughts toward things that are right, we will not only be uh, 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 motivated in doing things that are right, we will not be seduced into doing things that are wrong. Satan controls the sinfulness uh, of sin, and in and and he he puts it in a very attractive package. He conceals, rather, I'm sorry, he conceals the sinfulness of sin and puts it in very attractive packaging. But as we dedicate our lives to a life of obedience to God and direct our thoughts to the commands and counsels of His Word, we will always detect the enemy's attempt to corrupt our minds with evil, no matter how beautiful it is packaged. Oh, friend of mine, I'm so glad today that we can think on things that are true and things that are honest and things that are just, holy, and righteous and then think on things that are pure which means chaste and free from defilement you see our body is the temple of the lord we should fill our thoughts with with the the contemplation of god's holiness and in light of the fact that he lives in us pursue a life of moral purity. I did not say sinless perfection. While that certainly should be our goal, we recognize that if we say we have no sin, First John says we're lying. We're not being truthful. We're not being honest before the Lord. But if we confess our sin, you see, that lofty view of God will bring a woe is me in me. It'll bring a woe is me in you. Amen. But when we sense that, we qualify for the sanctifying power that he offers us through the wonderful Holy Spirit and the wondrous Word of God. Now you are clean. Through the word that I've spoken unto you, the scripture says, Hallelujah. Pure here means chaste and free from defilement. And when we think on things that are pure, you know, the Bible said in the Beatitudes, the, the pure in heart shall see the Lord. I remember when a Russian cosmonaut went into space in the early days of the space race. He came back and said, I've been up among the stars and I saw no God there. And a little girl in elementary school, <laughs> who was obviously very, very attentive in Sunday school, wrote a letter, sent it to the, to the Kremlin and sent it to Russia. And there was a copy of the letter printed in a paper in her hometown and said, I know the reason that you went that high and you didn't see God. And she quoted the scripture. <laughs> Hallelujah. Only the pure in heart will see the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Whatsoever things are pure, think on these things. You know, this should be a, a, a barometer. This should be a thermometer. This should be a, a compass to our life. If we are focusing on something that is not pure, and free from defilement, remember that we're becoming what we are 
beholding in this day of the media and all of the things that we are subject to today we need to guard our minds and guard our hearts by directing our thoughts toward things that are pure in fact there's a television channel that that for christians or anyone really but particularly for christians called pure flicks we had someone from their marketing division come to to our website some time back uh, and and uh, from pure flicks and they had they had checked a like on one of the particular sermons that uh, they had obviously listened to and liked from our website and the particular sermon was titled kingdoms in conflict You see, friend of mine, we can't serve two masters. We have to make up our mind, and we need to direct our thoughts. You see, the Bible said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. Listen to it. I'm just going to quote it instead of turning. If you be risen with Christ, if you've been born again, if you've been saved, if you're a Christian, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God and not the things of the earth or the things below. Set your affection on things above and not upon this earth. Seek and set your affections. You see, Jesus said, lay up your treasure in heaven. Where the thief can't steal it, the moth, the, the, the moth can't eat it up, and the rust can't corrupt it. For where a man's treasure is. See, first is, is having the priority and the focus correct, and then the affections will follow. Doesn't start with the affections. Starts with prioritizing what is most important in our life and in this case who is most important in our life praise god amen if you be risen with christ seek those things above where christ sits on the right hand of god set your affection on things above and not the things of the earth and verse 4 says and mortify your members that means to crucify the flesh it means to bring the body under subjection it means to walk in the light as he is in the light and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness whatsoever things are pure chaste free from defilement think on these things And number five, whatsoever things are lovely, literally lovable, speaks of that which is adapted to excite love and endear him who does such things. You know, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. It goes on to say in 1 John that perfect love will cast out all fear. And it's not our love perfected for Him. It's His perfect love for us. And as we think on the love of God, as we meditate on the love of God, as we sit, spiritually speaking, at the foot of the cross and look up to Him who loved us enough to stay on it in agony, we love Him back (laughs) for first loving us. 
as we ponder the love of God and the love we have received from Him, expressed in the person of His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be filled with a love for Him. We will be so, and He will be so, endeared to us. Our love will be excited and activated and expressed through praise, worship, and obedience. It's easy to follow a God that you love. It's easy to take up your cross to express love for Christ. It's very difficult to take up your cross and follow Him if you really don't love Him. So we need to think on the things. You know, the Bible said that, that, that we're to provoke one another to love and good works. And God has taken the initiative to provoke us to love Him by giving His Son. And Jesus has provoked us to love Him and to love God by loving us enough to go to the cross, hang on it for six solid hours after being almost tortured to death before they even impaled Him on it that we might reciprocate that love and fall in love with Him and love Him back. Hallelujah. Number six is good report, which means fair speaking. It means appealing and worth talking about. You see, the abundance of the heart, dear friend, the Scripture said, the mouth speaketh. And bringing a good report (laughs) How beautiful upon the mountains, the scripture says in the old covenant, are the feet of them that bring good news and publish peace. How beautiful it is. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. And we, while life and death is in the power of the tongue, friend of mine, sometimes we're so focused on the danger and the death that we can speak, we forget that there's also life and we can speak words of a good report. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 uh, says, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Praise God. You see, the gospel, dear friend, is good news. And as we meditate on the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the loving kindness of God, the mercy, we'll speak of Him unashamedly and faithfully. The gospel is good news. It is the report of faith. And as we ponder His precious promises, faith will arise in our hearts because faith cometh by hearing. It's stimulated by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. And then I'm going to put these two together because they fit together. The seventh is virtue and praise. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Whatever excellence there be are fit object of praise. Oh, friend, when we go into a worship service, we should be focused on the wonderful person of God and the wonderful person of Jesus Christ and recognize the presence and purity of the precious Holy Spirit. The things of the Spirit of God are so wonderful when they are seen by revelation. They produce joy 
unspeakable and when understood and appreciated, they are filled with glory. Scripture said, whom having not seen you love with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Praise God. Whatever excellence there is or fit object of praise. You know, all this sums up to me more than just principles here. It's all about a person. All of this truth is embodied in a person. And the person is none other than Jesus Christ. When we've seen Christ, we've seen the Father. Our focus again is upon the character of a God who is honest, venerable, just, and He is pure and lovely and therefore lovable, <laughs> of, of good report and, and full of virtue and praise. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, this battle for the mind is a real battle today. But it's a battle that can be won by every believer by thinking on these things. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so glad today to share this time with you. We cover a lot of ground. I had a report from someone in our congregation. I know he knows who he is and, and I could tell you, but I just want to say this. I got the email that said, I'm going to listen to that on my way to work uh, one day and I'm going to listen to it again on my way to work the next day. And that's called meditating on the Word of God. We cover a lot of ground. And, and really, this is a lot to chew on, isn't it? And we have to, we have to chew it and chew it and chew it until we can swallow it. And it becomes part and parcel of who we are, of our very being. If we drink of His blood, eat of His body, if we partake of Christ in His fullness spiritually, oh, friend of mine, we're going to find a fulfillment. We're going to find a love and a purpose in our life to live for Him and to serve Him. And we're going to do it with joy and victory. We're not going to be deceived, not going to be distracted. We're not going to be defrauded of our, our blessings and our benefits and our purpose in serving Him, which is the greatest life you can ever live. So, friend of mine today, Let's stay focused. Let's be careful and watchful over our hearts and minds. Let the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth, be acceptable in thy sight, O oh God. Oh, He loves you so much today. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then Satan is right now controlling the focus of your mind. Come to Jesus. Be forgiven your sins. Repent of them. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And run this race with us. Looking to Jesus. Who is the author and finisher of our faith. And come back next week, will you? Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.